Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. For more information, you can visit the Cinema Catch-Up Club's official Facebook page. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Or you can visit our website, thoughtjarproductions.com. This podcast is available on iTunes and SoundCloud, and we would really appreciate your subscriptions there, so pick your service of choice. For more information about this and other podcasts we produce, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. And now, for this week's episode. Hello everyone, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. This week, we are reviewing... The Graduate. That's right, Mike Nichols' The Graduate, because it is turning 50 years old. Wowee. And uh, joining us, we have a German Shepherd guarding the uh, perimeters here at um, Podcast HQ. Uh, hello, Gruber. And, hello. And if Gruber's in the town, then that obviously means that we've got Tegan and Patrick on. Hi, Hi. guys. Hey. Sup? Um, so, uh, Tegan, you you have seen The Graduate. Yes, I have. And Patrick, you have not. No, I haven't. Um, what do you know about The Graduate, Pat? I know the basic premise, older woman, younger man kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I also know that the end, how it ends from that one Simpsons episode mm-hmm. where Abe um, falls in love with, um, I can't remember Marge's mum's name. Mm. And he does the whole That's banging right. on the... Oh yeah, on the organ thing, Mrs. Bouvier. <laughs> so I know they, I know they parodied the ending of the movie in right. the ending of that episode. Okay, and that's about it. Cool. Okay, uh, that is also about as much as I know because I also <laughs> haven't seen The Graduate. Uh, Tegan, you are uh, from previous discussions a big fan of Mike Nichols. I do. I love Mike Nichols. So he's directed a few of my favourite films, including this one. Um, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Mm-hmm. I love that film. He does such great... Who, who, is, who is Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Uh, this guy called Gary. Um, oh. Yeah. Um, Spoilers. We'll talk about it later. Um, yeah. That, yeah, that um, he does great um, theatre to film adaptations, and that's one of the most incredible ones. Also, he's um, Closer, when he, which was mm. one of his later films, still a long time ago now, but mm. um, I loved that film when that, when that came out. Mm. Um, and that introduced me to the play itself. And, um, um, yeah, he's just fab. He just does some really interesting, really simple, simple and beautiful work. Mm. Um, I think he works really well with actors. Uh, of course, this film is also well known for launching the career of uh, Dustin Hoffman, mm. a Hollywood actor. Problematic episode. <laughs> well, yes, there there is a slight issue. At the time of recording, of course, uh, we are currently um, experiencing uh, what can be called a uh, an omni shambles of mm. um, of of epic proportions. Obviously, we, we are in late two thousand seventeen, so we have the whole uh, everything's come out about Harvey Weinstein and a whole bunch of other um, actors so from many, that time period. So many of them. One of whom is uh, Dustin Hoffman. Um, now, obviously, we're, we're not really here to discuss um, that that particular thing that's going on because, one, we don't want to get sued. Uh, yeah. you know, obviously, there's lots of things where there are accusations happening and things of that nature. Um, but Dustin Hoffman 
is one of those people who has been mentioned in it. Um, we thought it's probably a good idea to bring it up. We're not ignoring yeah, I think the we have to acknowledge it if we're going to yeah. talk about him at this, at this point. Yeah, yeah. but at, at this stage, uh, yeah, we are away. Obviously, we're waiting to see what, what the legal fallout is. But for now, we're just going to review this as... As a film that came out 50 years ago, which... Um, and launched his career. And launched his career. So this is obviously prior to any uh, potential alleged activities that, that may have come afterwards. So uh, we are aware, uh, but also at the same time, we're, we're here to talk about a film. Shall we watch it? Let's do it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, make sure that you pop in your DVDs and grab your nearest Garfunkel as we prepare to watch <laughs> The Graduate. <laughs> Okay, everyone, welcome back to our review of Wayne's World 2, sorry, The Graduate, uh, uh, which we've just watched. Cassandra! Cassandra! Yes, uh, joined again by uh, Tegan and Patrick. Welcome back, guys. Hello. Hi. What did we think of The Graduate? I, I really liked it. I really mm. did. Um, it's because I, I knew how the movie ends, because mm. it's kind of one of those just pop culture knowledge that everyone just kind of knows. I was, wasn't expecting it to be quite as funny as it was it's very funny movie um and and yeah i I just but but really beautiful Hmm. devastating yeah yeah really enjoyed it yeah i mean also as a first time viewer i found it um quite prescient i think i think if you made a similar film today it would there's not a huge amount you'd have to change. I, I feel yeah. as though there's a, there's no, a lot yeah. of universal issues which 50 years on are still quite relevant. Um, and obviously, Tegan, you, you have seen this film before. Uh, how, how does it hold up since your last viewing? Um, it, it's it been a while since I've seen it and it there was so much m- more in it that I'd forgotten about. Mm. I remember kind of coming away from it appreciating how beautifully it was made and... and um, how quirky it is! It's super quirky, mm. but um, I guess yeah, refinding all of that humor for me was really was really wonderful mm. as well. It's it's because it's very it's witty. Like I think mm. it's it's a classic example of like witty humor, where you find just it's not um, it's not arrogant though. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, so it's it, like, it does. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, I mean, obviously, we are following around. Um, Dustin Hoffman's character, uh, Benjamin Braddock, who is this young um, guy who's just finished grad school. He's just turned 21. He's going to grad school. He's finished college. Oh, sorry. He's finished college. He's going to grad school. You know, he's just turned 21. He's a very uh, shy and introverted person, though. You know, we see him at the beginning. He's just come back into his home environment. Um, his parents are there who are very proud of him. But you get the impression that they're more proud of him because they gave birth to him more than who he is as a person. Yeah. They're more proud of, like... What he represents. Yeah, his achievements mm. rather than just him as a human being. Yeah, so, and I, yeah. I, and you really sense at the beginning that Ben is trying to make that connection with Mr. and Mrs. Braddock. Um, and one of the things I really enjoy uh, or enjoyed once I, I clued in was the fact that a lot of the the older characters are only Mr. and Mrs. We never get their first names. Yeah. And it's the younger characters like Ben and Elaine and even oh, Carl God, that we yeah. get their first names. And I quite liked that generational divide. It helps with that, um, the distance and the removal between relationship with 
Mrs. Robinson mm. and with Benjamin. Like it's that's the play on that is really important. So I think yeah, having no adult, no none of the older characters have a name even mm. creates more of a. Do they divide. never mention their first names at all? We don't sit here, Mrs. Robinson's first name. No. No, we don't, Gruber, do we? Yeah, no. d- the dog is annoyed at that. Yeah, <laughs> Gruber's just realised. He's like, oh my God. <laughs> what an epiphany. Yes. Um, I'm going to tell the world. <laughs> hey, everyone. <laughs> In The Graduate, they, all the older characters, there's a generation divide. There's Can you believe divide. that? And it, it is really interesting seeing that generation divide. And obviously, this is a film from the 60s. It's from the late 60s. Um, obviously, there's a lot of division within American society that's coming through with, with a youth culture of hippies and things of that nature. Mm. Um, and it's really interesting seeing how that is reflected in this film, which is a coming-of-age story for, for Ben. Yeah, and it's that it's just that he's so unhappy with his success like we all made a joke about it at the start like oh poor guy you know life's <laughs> life's wonderful everything's great for you you've passed with flying colors and you've got this amazing car and all this stuff we all kind of joked about that but there was such an emptiness to it because mm. it was not what he was looking for mm. um and he didn't know what he was looking for and mm. i think that that's maybe a real sign of that kind of culture at that time where there was there was such a rebellion from 50s america Mm. because they wanted to find something different and they were trying all of this weird wacky stuff to try and get that yeah and uh, obviously uh you know this this film was made uh 67 so it's uh four years after kennedy was assassinated Mm. it's a couple of years into the vietnam war um obviously part of this film takes place at berkeley university and there was the uh, obviously the the big riots at berkeley in 1964 the first lot of those riots Mm. um it it, it is coming at a very divisive time within american society but he's obviously representing a very 50s like the well the parents are sort of Mm. version of of what growing up is like they're right on that mm. cusp like there's no there's no mention of any of that stuff sort of a that mention of when he goes to berkeley of the riots yeah. a little bit um when he gets asked if he's one of those agitators just the way they're dressed even that kind of clean cut by the pool kind yeah. of florida or california wherever they are sort of feeling to them it, it's there's no mention of even things like Beatlemania or any of that stuff that yeah. was coming into American culture at that time that was fighting against that that kind of mum at home, dad at work, you know, stereotype. buy a house in the suburbs mm. stereotype. And it's, it's also interesting because um, if um, we take it as read that this film is set in the year it was released, 1967, then that means that um, Ben would have been born in 46. So mm. there's a good chance that his father would have been a part of that World War Two generation, That's maybe right. served in the US oh, military. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they, it makes sense that that generation has this very traditional reserved mindset. You know, we see it with uh, Mr. Robinson, when Mr. Robinson and Ben have their chats before the affair is discovered, obviously. And, you know, he's almost like, Ben, I, I look at you like a, like a second son. You know, all, all that kind of business. Um, yeah. It's... It is really interesting seeing that that close. It's almost as though the older generation within this film is almost like a closed-off society. Because they, it's all, and it's also like they, they never had their youth, mm. so they they're seeing their youth through Ben. Like even when Mr. Robinson talks about you're young, you're mm. young, you've got to enjoy because it. you're young, enjoy it, like have sex with heaps of people, yeah, yeah. Um, 
I didn't mean my wife, but you know, but hey, um, but but he he's the one that starts the the plants the seed sort of mm. in his mm. brain. It's that, but they all regret their youth and missing their youth. Mm. I didn't but then think there was that bit where where the dad he his dad had a go at him for not basically not doing anything, mm. and you sort of say, you know, I understand when a young man's finished his. Hard work, you might want to rest, but you've been resting too long. Yeah, now only for a few to, weeks. Yeah, only for a few weeks. So there's, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's still a, there's a weird sort of. So, but it, I guess that makes it even more confusing. That makes yeah. it more. So you, what do you on do? On the one hand, you're being told to go out and have fun, and then on the other hand, you're being forced mm. to do something with your life that you don't even really know what. Yeah, and, and that is mm. you don't even know. Yeah, it, it is interesting, and you know, you think about let, let, let's take Mister um, Mister Braddock. You know, let, let's assume he is he's probably built, he was probably born in the early nineteen twenties. So he, if he went through a fairly typical American upbringing in that time, went through the Great Depression, Depression and the Dust Bowl period as a, as a child and as a teenager. World War Two in his twenties, mm. and then you hit the fifties when there's American prosperity, and it finally hits in the thirties, and then you get that suburban lifestyle, you get that um, uh, Americana uh, culture, and the American dream of mm. two kids and white picket fences mm. and all that. And I, I think that's such an interesting concept that um, Mike Nichols and and everyone involved in the Graduate chose to play around with. Um, as as well as obviously the the thing that the film was most famous for at the time, which is of course um, an an older woman seducing a younger man, mm. and and again in in a way that you said about it being about recapturing youth for Mrs. Robinson, um, the affair with Ben is very much, I, I think, part of that for her. It's but it's dealt with so maturely as well. Like I I I think for a film from the sixties where you've got a female in that predatory sort of role because she's effectively a predator. She mm. does prey yeah. on him. Yeah. But they, it's dealt with very respectfully. Like it's – um. she's such a complex character. Maybe that's attributed to how Anne Bancroft plays her as well. But I, I think that's why it's such an iconic role because, mm. you know, you could really paint that character of Dustin Hoffman – as this naive, young, awkward um, victim mm. where essentially he still is a victim because he gets nothing except for, I guess, sexual gratification out of being with her. But what she gets is this kind of, I mean, she's trying to fix herself mm. with, with what she's doing, but it's treated with respect. Yeah. She's not, even though she gets hurt and broken, I don't think she gets treated like a like an evil villain in this no, at all. No, it, it, I mean, it's understandable when she explains further into the film that her and Mr. Robinson sleep in separate bedrooms. Yeah. They they don't really love each other. The only reason they got married was because she got pregnant she got with pregnant. Elaine. Mm. Um, that she was an art student. Even things like that yeah. are really are really important. Yeah. And it, it, it's almost as though, yeah, you know, Ben makes the point. He's like, it's almost as though you gave up on your your ambitions because you got pregnant. Mm. Um, and it's it, you're right. It's very it's very sad. It fits into what you were saying, Pat, about this being yeah. quite a quite a sad film in a lot of ways. It really is. Mm. Um, while we're speaking about the affair itself, yeah. I was surprised. That kind of not because it was it was a huge part of the movie, but it wasn't really what the movie was about. Mm. No. Even from a plot point of view, mm. like it kind of kicked into motion. 
the actual plot itself, which I thought was really interesting. As someone never having seen the film before, all you know about it is older woman, younger man kind yeah. of thing. But then it's that that bit's kind of done by halfway through. Yeah. And then it's all about the love and the relationship between him and Elaine. Elaine. Yeah. Is um, it, it, and then and then and of course the ramifications of the the affair comes into that later. Yeah. But yeah, it's 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 much less. It's also, I should say, much less uh, titillating than mm. I thought it was mm. going to be. Again, because mm. there's that thing, ooh, older woman, yeah, and 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 crank and, and Crankcroft, <laughs> <laughs> and Bancroft is a stunningly beautiful woman. It was her stunt double. It was her tit double. Yeah. And it was a tit double. Oh, yeah. Please thank, <laughs> and, pl- thank and you, Crankcroft. Thank you for not rhyming stunt double with anything. I appreciate <laughs> that. Yeah, but, go but, ahead. Uh, so, yeah, that's what I was going to um, I've lost my train of thought now, thanks. Sorry. <laughs> okay, when you bring up the nudity, because there isn't a lot of nudity in this film, and again, I think that's a very mature decision yes. where the only time we see um That's what nudity, I was saying. Yes. when he's about not the lack trying of... not to look. Yeah, and, and we it's... get those yeah. quick, like, half-second yeah. uh, flash shots of, like, yeah. uh, her boob or And her, her midriff. Hip. Yeah. But, yeah. And it's, it, you know, it's reflecting that very much like, oh, I don't want to look. Oh, I'm going to have a quick glance. Oh, no, but it's... Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. it's really interesting seeing Ben battle with those social... Um, injunctions that are on him compared to what he naturally wants to do which is to to have sex with mrs robinson Mm. and eventually he does give in to that and it almost it almost starts almost like a rapid maturation program for him because he's he's a virgin he hasn't had sex with anyone Mm. before um and he almost gets i suppose like a sexual education from mrs robinson um, but also not because there's no emotion there either, which is the yeah. bit that's missing. When, like, when he wants to talk, yeah, he's like, I don't just want to do this. I want to mm. talk. I want he he knows that there's. So yeah, he learns how to bang the mechanics. He learns yeah. the mechanics of it, but he doesn't learn what how to feel. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's kind of what screws him. Yeah, you yeah. know, it, and it is it is interesting. I I really love the way that Dustin Hoffman um, plays off Anne Bancroft in the particularly in those early scenes where he's so awkward and she is almost like using reverse psychology on him at yeah. certain points yeah. where it's yeah. like, don't you think I'm beautiful? No, no, I think you're beautiful. Uh, you know, those kind of, um, you also get the feeling that she's done it before. Well, yeah. yeah. And I think that's the thing very that, skilled that's in this, the, the but movie she... and, and, um, and Bancroft does really well is that again, I don't need to reiterate that she is a stunningly beautiful woman, mm. but also she, she plays it and she's written, this guy's like, of course, any, I mean, you know, anyone, especially a 20 year old man mm. would fall for her. Absolutely. Like, of course, it just, and not even her physically, just the way she is with him. Mm. It's yeah. that, like you said, it's that reverse mm. psychology. It's a sort of bait and switch. Yeah. That, of course, it, it's so, it's very cleverly done. And I think a huge amount of that has to go to, um, to her performance. Yeah. yeah. And when you think of the idea that she's done this before as well, like, see, at the first party when there's all of those older people there mm. who have all probably had kids, but they've all gone off to grad school and they've all done their own things. Mm. How many of their sons has she done this mm. to as well? Like, I like the idea of this just being a game that she plays for herself. Mm. But with Benjamin, because he's challenged her mm. and asked her that she, she's found herself getting in deeper and that's yeah. why it does hurt when Elaine is there and on the scene. Hmm. See, that's really interesting because I didn't, I didn't get the impression that she'd done it before. I'm just thinking that I, 
thinking looking back on it now i didn't think it at the time but i i do now because it's so she does it so well it, yeah at the very least there may have been a pool boy or two that that's absolutely of thing where there certainly she hasn't been in love with mr robinson for a long time uh and she she jumps into this in such a no-nonsense uh manner that suggests that even things like she knows how to she knows we need to get the hotel room yeah you can grab a drink first this is how you do it this mm. is you know this is what you i mean it could be just be common sense because she's older with more common sense but mm. i do feel like it's she's she's done it before yeah and this is routine but she picks and chooses who she wants to do it for and it's like i wonder if she almost sees it as a favor for them as well giving them these young boys teaching them how to be men pretty much maybe that's the you know that's maybe one of the ways she tells herself it's okay yeah it's really fascinating that's what it's such an intelligent film it it really is and you know i mean uh, obviously um you know we've spoken she she really about it already that she is a very beautiful looking woman and she she uses that to her advantage um and you know even to the point where, where ben says you know oh you know you're the most attractive of my parents friends I love that which line. is very funny line. such a great line and feed, feeds into the fact that this is a very funny film and there's lots of really great uh dialogue which is which is funny mm. um lots lots of imagery as well like for his 21st birthday his dad gets him a 200 dollars scuba, scuba suit, suit and yeah. makes him get into the pool in the scuba suit and like keeps pushing him back in and it's like <laughs> yeah. it's quite funny but at the same time it's heartbreaking where yeah. it's kind of like you know he's he's his because you, you, we see this all from his perspective it's a first person perspe- perspective the only sound is him breathing yeah. and you've got um yeah his dad got, just wants to show off the scuba suit yeah show off the scuba suit and show off look my, my son the incredible uh diver he can he can literally be underwater and not not be harmed and yeah. and Ben is just trying to make that connection and eventually he just gives up caring about making that connection with his yeah. parents. Mm. And it's quite sad um, that, that... And it's at that moment that he goes to Mrs. Robinson. Is this when he, you know, it's the next day yeah. or something yeah. that he calls her. The next scene, like, he's calling her from the hotel. Yeah. I can't get from them what I want. Because you're right that he's reaching out. Yeah. There's that whole before the scene where he's going, can I just talk to you, please? I just, yeah. I just want to talk to you about one thing. And it, that he can't get them mm. to acknowledge him in that scene just to be to take it a, not very serious for a second in that bit where his dad's building up the the appearance of the scuba suit and everything and he's waiting behind the door and you know he's like i just want to talk to you about one thing just the way he delivered that he sounded so much like tina from bob burgers <laughs> he's like i just want to talk to you dad about one thing about butts. About butts. <laughs> <laughs> like, and it was the only time in the movie where he, where he made me think of that. But it was just, obviously, they, they ADR'd that later yeah. on in a recording booth. And I don't know whether he was just trying to be really monotone, mm. but he sounded so much like Tina from Bob's <laughs> Um So so he, he starts having the affair with uh, Mrs. Robinson. He starts having the affair at the Taft Hotel, yeah. um, where... Um, where everybody knows, knows your, your name, name at the most awkward <laughs> point. To be fair, though, they've probably been there a lot. Yeah. Like, yeah. If, they're, yeah. if they're boning, like, more than once a week mm. and that's the place they go. And how long was it meant to happen over? Over or? several weeks, yeah, over so, months. Because yeah. Elaine had come and gone from Berkeley quite a few times. Yeah, so th- it's probably been a couple of months that the affair was happening because later when... Um, 
when Ben takes a line there, all the staff are going, hello, Mr. Gladstone, because yeah. that's his pen name. Uh, the thing that really tickled <laughs> me was the fact that it kept happening. And then they did that thing, which feels like a parody where they get in um, like a dwarf actor that comes in and goes, yeah. uh, oh, hello, Mr. Gladstone. And then just nice walks off. Nice to see you again. Dre- yeah, dressed as a bellhop. And it was yeah. like, it felt so absurd. It was one of those lovely moments where the film is almost nudging you and going, yeah, we know this is a film. Yeah. Uh, where Absolutely. It just <laughs> heightens it to the point where it's like, <laughs> you can't get away with trying to be hidden in this place because what you were doing, you know, is wrong with Elaine. And um, yeah, this you can't come back to this place, essentially. The only bit that I felt a bit confronted by, maybe it's because of the, where we're at with Dustin Hoffman at the moment, but was um, when he takes Elaine to the titty bar and she's yeah. getting... Yeah. The, and then when she's outside and he explains to her, I only did this because my parents didn't want, I didn't want to do this. Mm. And then to stop her crying, he kisses her. Yeah. yeah. That bit, I still don't get. I, underst- I understand it afterwards where they're sitting and eating burgers in the car and they're having a nice time. But I don't know how they got from kissing to that. Because I feel like they didn't need the kiss. They no, they just- could have just... So don't cut to them in the car like he's reconciled. Mm. Maybe they've acknowledged that we don't need to. There's no expectations yeah. here. Yeah. So then they're just really in the, they're just in the car mm. bonding over university. Because really, he's assaulted her. Yeah. yeah. My, with my, what he's done. My reading of that, which is something that happens in a lot of films, where you've got a, a crying woman and then a man just goes in and kisses her, and it sort of stops her crying. Is it's almost as though. A lot of these films, the they tend to play it where conversation is no longer an option because the, the female character tends to be in a state of hysteria. And it's only that a bold physical action mm. will make the difference. And but she's beca- not because, hysterical. Yeah, no, she isn't. And that's why it reads really weird. Mm. Um, because, you know, the only bold physical action that's, that's open to him in that situation is to just give her a big, awkward, 90-degree head-turn Dustin Hoffman kiss mm. so his nose doesn't get her. Yeah. And, um, Poke her in the eye. Yeah, and the, but... But you're right, it reads really strange. Yeah, because she, she was just, she wasn't hysterical. She was rightfully pissed off at him. Yeah, and if I, yeah. Because it, it, on their first date, he, they took go her, to, he took her to a strip club. And, and then she got tassels. And, she, yeah. she got car washed <laughs> by a strip <laughs> Yeah, it was, yeah. But, but That's the, what we've got to call that now. The, the car wash. Getting car washed. Oh, nice. Going to uh, the, the car, car wash. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, their, uh, the relationship between Ben and Elaine is very interesting as well because they, they clearly do actually quite like each other. Yeah. Um, I love how they play that relationship out. Mm. I, yeah. I think it's as messed up as what he's done is. I think that they're, because they're so young, mm. I think it's so believable that all of that would have, especially at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you mean like they'd fall for each other that quickly? Yeah. 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 They, if you look at it, they haven't slept together. They've barely kissed. He hasn't 20s. seen her naked. Yeah. Because that's he is she's in a bra when he's she's hiding herself in a bra when he tells her that he slept with her mum. Mm. All of that stuff, it's it's a genuine, sweet, young, excited love. Yeah. And that's why the ending works so well where mm. you just go, Oh, you are in for disaster. it's gonna be disastrous. Yeah. I mean, it's it is really interesting. I feel as though none of it really read unnatural. Like the, mm. the fact that 
you know, they, they do make a connection. They, they do get along. You know, Elaine probably feels much the same way about her parents as Ben does about his. I mean, and she's got two parents that don't even love each, love other. each other. And she she would grow up with no love. Yeah. Because yeah. that would, that's obvious if they're sleeping in different bedrooms. And, and then when the reveal happens, when obviously, you know, Mrs. Robinson is like, you stay away from Elaine. And uh, Ben's like, no, I, I have to be the one to tell her. And he rushes in and he basically admits i that older woman i told you about that was your mum mm. and she rightly freaks out and doesn't want to see him and then when he makes that connection again in berkeley and she eventually does go round to see him and say i need to know what it is that felt like a, a really natural response because if you were elaine and you had this person that had followed you to berkeley um i think it's understandable to have the reaction of i'm because she turns up, she says, I'm just asking this question, then I'm leaving. What the hell are you doing? Yeah. And it, it played really, it just it just played so naturally. It felt real. And it's it's rare that you get that in a film, um, yeah. particularly from this time period. Yeah. Well, I think as well, maybe because it's, she's at Berkeley as well, like there's, sig- there's significance in the place that she's going to college and stuff mm-hmm. as well, because she would be in classes and at school with people that would like they would start to read those sort of behaviors very differently that would be read as a romantic gesture free love and all you know all of that kind of generation that was that you know berkeley was a hub for all that stuff so if she's around that she's stuck between she's as stuck between those two worlds as benjamin is but benjamin's kind of been pushed into that world by mrs robinson Mm. where it's where I, i feel like Maybe Elaine is finding this out for herself the more she's yeah. at college. Mm. And when you get the impression that Benjamin's from a more conservative world, even the yes. even even I don't know if they mentioned where he went to school, but even then, I feel like it wasn't the sort of free love. No, because he says he was right. He said he wished he'd gone to Berkeley. Yeah, he wanted yeah. to go he there. Probably but went, he, he probably went to quite an old. I can say an old school school, but like a Harvard, or yeah, Yale yeah, or somewhere something. very traditional, mm. you know, where he didn't get to think about those things. Now, while just before, maybe I missed this entirely, and maybe I just it totally went over my head as to why. But why was Mrs. Robinson so adamant that he not go out with Elaine? Is it just because they were sleeping together? Because I felt like there was more to it than that, and I never quite understood. I wonder if there's. I read it as there's there was you know we joked again about it there was such a push for those two to get together because they mm. were again I feel like they're in a world where they do set their kids up with one another because then yeah. they keep the money and they keep the breeding in the yeah. in the yeah. lines yeah. so Elaine would have been the natural person to choose for Benjamin I also feel like um, she resents Elaine Elaine is the reason that she's unhappy and she's not at art school and she's not a famous artist. Mm. And I also feel like she probably did find herself falling for Benjamin because he okay. challenged her. That They're the three things that I read yeah. about it. I think it's fair to question it. And, uh, yeah, and that's yeah. the only thing I... That, yeah, and that's... I, I, I'm inclined to agree, but I just... I don't know whether I felt it in the movie at the time. Like, I don't know whether I did think Mrs. Robinson was falling for Benjamin. I think she liked him enough, but I don't know if she... See, again, I've, I didn't pick that up while I'm watching it. And maybe I was just justifying it after the fact because I needed a reason as to why would she so desperately not want him to go out with Elaine. It felt like the way it was presented to me felt like there was some big reason that we were going to find out 
and we didn't. And maybe it is just because they were one, they were sleeping together, and she knew that's just highly inappropriate. And maybe she did start to feel for him. That that does make sense. To, but um, yeah, I don't know. The only thing that didn't quite track for me a hundred percent was was that because it ultimately didn't really change the plot that much. I no, guess I guess true. it changed it in the sense that it gave Mrs. Robinson reason to tell Elaine or to threaten to tell Elaine because he promised he wouldn't go out there and then he did, so it gives her a reason. But even then, there's, I don't know, it wasn't quite enough. Again, maybe I missed something entirely. Maybe the she whole emotions like of it just went over my head. She seemed like she likely. had such a sense of ownership over him. Like, mm. to, you know, yeah, maybe that's yeah, part of it yeah. where... And maybe she, I, I, I do, I also feel the big sense of jealousy for her daughter. She has a beautiful daughter who's going off, who's at Berkeley. Maybe she's, they don't really say what degree she's doing, do they? No. They so she's probably that. doing something artistic. She might be living the life that her mum was going to have. Mm. So then maybe it's based on resentment more than anything. Or it could be she's worried that Ben or anyone is going to get Elaine pregnant and she has to repeat the cycle of giving up on her oh, dreams. Possibly. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that. But then she gets... I don't know about that because then she well, then gets she tries to marry off to Carl. So I don't know about that. I maybe, think it's more not. an ownership thing yeah. and an emotional dependence. Mm. Obviously, but, he's but fulfilling... I, it also felt like it came from a place of protectiveness for Elaine. I think it, I, it, I, that's what I, that's what I got out of it as well. But then she I didn't, didn't really act re- super again. That's why I found it so confusing yeah. because when she was saying, you know, you need to promise me, and she made such a such a strong point of mm. it, but then she didn't act super affectionately towards like Elaine. No, because she called her that girl a couple of times as well. She, yeah, oh, I, I missed I, that she, I think she's very distanced from her. That there's no love in that relationship, yeah. right? Um, and there's more. Res- she, um, there's like, I'm a mum. I've yeah. met other mums who yeah. I don't really feel like this myself, but I do know of parents out there who you love your child because you can't help but love them maternally because mm. it's the maternal instinct. But then there's a resentment because they've you haven't been able to live the life that may- maybe you wanted. Yeah. It's not. It, it always. I'm always astounded when I when I hear it. But I've heard it from people before. Mm. It's kind of a, a, a really strange. Yeah. This strange idea of where yourself ends and where your child begins and where they kind of cross over. Mm. Um, I get that feeling from her. The maternal instinct is there. That's obviously raised this child and raised a very intelligent and kept her alive and kept her happy and fed her and loved her in inverted commas but Mm. whether that's been enough to stop the resentment that she feels because this child effectively took away the life she wanted Mm. in her eyes yeah i wonder if that's a bigger part of it i think i think certainly that's what i read her actions at the end of the film where we have the wedding scene and she is one of those voices around elaine that we don't hear the words of but has that that gnashing teeth saying stop don't you go off with that boy i think shows you where her motivations lie and her motivations aren't towards elaine's happiness they are towards getting her married off and And winning yeah and winning yeah and denying uh ben who has who has scorned her essentially absolutely ben now sits in in the mr robinson category for her of another man that has loved her and left her yeah it's it it is such an interesting thing. Um, if you want to watch the end of this film, just watch the end of Wayne's World Two, as That's we joked it. at the beginning. Um, 
having seen Worms World 2 and now coming into seeing this, it's amazing. Shot for shot. It's almost, shot for yeah. shot. The last 10, 15 minutes of this film is yeah. the last 10, 15 minutes just with less Jim Morrison and Naked Indians. Um, <laughs> but And Aerosmith. Uh, yeah. It's... um. But it, it, I mean, that that church scene. We, you know, we've made Simpsons references as well to it yeah. because it's so iconic. She's going to get Elaine is going to get married off to Carl. Um, Mr. Robinson has said, you know, if you come near my daughter again, I'm going to uh, get you arrested. Um, How is never explained. But... No, he just, he just threatens it. Uh, you know, Mrs. Robinson. Well, could you get arrested for adultery? Maybe. Maybe um, back then. Or uh-huh. trespassing. Yeah, I mean, it, Mrs. Robinson calls the police when Mrs. Robinson also said that he raped her as yes, well. And so that, that's that was an interesting thing that that's how she span that tale. Yeah, and it also showed that she was willing to lie about things to yeah. protect. But her also, status. did she? Because when when Mr. Robinson turns up in Ben's room at, towards the end of the film, mm. and he talks about how they're going to get a divorce, did. The impression I got from that was that she didn't tell him he raped her. Or he didn't believe her. Or maybe he didn't believe her. Yeah, maybe. The impression I got from that is she told him everything truthfully. Maybe. She said, yeah, I've been sleeping with this kid. I get the impression that he didn't believe her because she's done it a million times before. Again, yeah. I feel like that plays into... Whereas Elaine would be more likely to believe her because it's her mum and why would her mum lie to her? Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, yeah. And it's... also it's going to hurt Elaine more Yeah. to know because if she really... That, you know, it'd be conflicting, but if you really went to and talked about it truthfully, he wanted a relationship with her, essentially, because he wanted an emotional connection with her and she didn't want to give that to him. So there is, he is an, he's a messed up, but he's inherently good character. There is yeah. something, he wants to feel and emote, mm. but then if you turn it around and turn him into a rapist, mm. that's horrific. Yeah. And that's her mum. Yeah. So, so it, I, I think that that, She's yeah. She's just turned the dial up to eleven on that to try and make her hate him so she can win. Yeah, it's it's really fascinating. And then There's obviously, so much to this movie. I know. And yeah, then obviously lot, we lot get to unpack. Yeah, we get we get to the wedding. Um, this is Bouvier, <laughs> Cassandra. Um, or indeed, as he is actually shouting, Elaine. Uh, yeah, banging on the windows. Elaine! And it gets it gets close to being an action film towards the end. He has the scuffle with Mister Robinson. Right. Rips his coat. Um, and you know ends up using the church cross to lock the door. And Mrs. Robinson hits Swings Elaine. Swings it like a she sword. And- yeah. I, that's in, and it's really incredible. That took They're me just, by surprise. I really didn't think she was going to hit fierce. her daughter. And it's a proper ambush. She does it a couple of times. Yeah, she, yeah. she kind snacks of her around a yeah. couple of times. Yeah. It looks like she was just going to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, they, they managed to, you know, block the church door, get on a bus, sit down. And then the sound of silence starts playing. And you realise that it's... in their faces. Yeah, the, car, the realisation of what they've just done hits them. Because there's... N- there's what, no going there's, back from that. And there's no, no. where next... Yeah. Their parents are all going to abandon them. Mm. They really have nothing. They're both college, you know, they're both at college, mm. potentially dropouts at this point. Yeah. What happens next? Well, we know he at least graduated. Well, he did, but he hasn't got to grad. Yeah, he needs to go to grad school. Yeah. So he's going to not, but that means he's only going to have a pencil pusher job unless he goes to grad mm. school. But they're kind of on their own. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that it's it's almost as though... They 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 rejected the the world that their parents were offering to them that the older generation was offering to them, and I like how the film doesn't give a nice answer of going okay we've well, made this decision to reject this for your own identity, 
but what are you going to do now, clever clogs? Yeah. You know, it's and the fact that it finishes on that question. I think is a really, really great way to tie up this film. What do you th- What do you think is going to happen? Uh, well, I think uh, one of them will go on to have a successful film career for about fifty <laughs> years, um, and then some troubling accusations will come up. Um, and I think, <laughs> and the other one will be in Donnie Darko. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dustin Hoffman <laughs> in Donnie Darko. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick Swayze's in this film. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's. I don't know. I honestly, I honestly don't know what 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 would happen to them. I I I'd like to think that they would stay stay feeling that love that they obviously have for each other, Ben and Elaine, and that they go and try and make the best of it. But I'm not sure if it would work. And yeah, I I honestly don't know. And I quite like that. I quite like that. Yeah, you are left with all these questions. Um, but in the immediate aftermath, um, I'm honestly not sure what they're going to do. Mm. I feel like unhappiness is going to be there in the fairly near future but they're going to stay together and hang on to this because yeah. it's been such well, a the the robinson cycle let's call it that will probably just be repeated oh you think with yeah they, with they might they'll Elaine? stay they'll stay with each other because they've i think he'll sacrifice oh he'll probably, st- probably cheat but i think they'll stay together yeah because they've sacrificed so much to be together, but they'll resent each other very quickly, yeah. and the whole thing will begin again. That's and what I, that's what I think, I, and that, that could be what the movie's agree. trying to say. Even you know. and then Jennifer Aniston will be in a film. Well, yeah, the family stone. I mean, I was just thinking, <laughs> going down the cycle route. Let's say they have a kid, and it's twenty five years later, so that's ninety two. You could have like an early nineties. Who who wow. would it be? Millie Vanilli doing the soundtrack for the early nineties. Vanilla um, Ice graduate. MC Hammer. <laughs> Like he did for Adam's family, yeah. but he'll do it for... Actually, yeah. Yeah, good point. Um, but yeah, um, a well, really... En vogue. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, too unlimited. <laughs> Boys to men. Um, I also just want to say, if yeah. you're hearing any very weird thunking and grunting noises in the oh, background, yes. our dog has decided that right now is when he wants to scratch himself violently mm. and Super make, bored. he's very bored and no he's making one. us very aware well, of it. We all know that dogs uh, love IMDb trivia trolls. And IMDb <laughs> trivia troll. It's trivia time. <laughs> so uh, let's give Gruber some uh, tasty morsels of trivia sourced from yes, the please. internet movie database. And the first of these ties into um, obviously more, more recent news. Um, during rehearsals of Dustin Hoffman and Anne Bancroft's first encounter, uh, Bancroft didn't know that Hoffman was going to grab her on the breast when he has that awkward hand on the boob. Yep. Um, Hoffman decided to do it because it reminded him of schoolboys trying to nonchalantly grab girls' breasts in the hall by pretending to put their jackets on. When Hoffman did it, director Mike Nichols began laughing loudly. Um, yeah, Hoffman began to laugh as well, so rather than stop the scene, he turned away and walked to the wall. Hoffman banged his head on the wall, trying to stop his laughter, and Nichols thought that the head movement was uh, so funny that it stayed in the finished film. Now, yeah, it's... Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is icky when you, when you read things like that. Yeah. What did Bancroft say about it? Because I think that's... Uh, unfortunately, that, that is where that particular tidbit of information yeah, interesting, ends. interesting, isn't it? Um, probably not all that surprising that we don't get her side of it. Mm -hmm. I think this annoys me because I, I've done my fair share of acting and I have said, I've, I'm potentially even been guilty of doing perhaps not anything quite that bad, but of doing things to other actors 
without telling them that it's going to happen, especially something like that. And it just makes me mad because I don't believe that you're getting anything more. Yeah. If you're both if you're both working together well and you've got actors who are worth their salt on on a film set or on stage, you can still keep that surprise, that shock element in there and have everyone know what's going on and make sure it's safe and all that stuff. So that stuff make that stuff that stuff gets me quite mad. It, gets, it makes me feel really icky. Um and again, again, if we're talking about all these um, accusations and allegations that are flying around Hollywood at the moment, I mean, God, if that's if that sort of stuff's just day to day, then yeah, of course, all these women have been. Well, because you're talking about you know. trust, like that is an iconic and very funny scene without that context. Yeah, but now that, now, but now all, that you know that's happened, it, might, it certainly makes it feel a bit. It does. It's problematic. It's a shame, and it. Because cause it would have read just as well had he said to her, you know, those sort of things are all about trust. Mm. Having Being on the other end of that, being the female who has to, you know, suffer through that sort of stuff. Mm. As an improviser as well. Yeah. My boobs get grabbed constantly mm. on stage. I'm look, okay. Look, look, my boobs get grabbed pretty quite a lot, and <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I, pretty I'm a man. sure I've grabbed your boobs. You most certainly have. But but you know, and you know, there's 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 simulated acts all the time. There's all of this stuff, but there's always trust yeah. for me. So, so being the one that kind of gets put in that position a lot, being the female, mm. it's an unfortunate side. But, but because I don't have people who are exploiting me mm. when we do it, no. I I don't have to go through it. I mm. feel like that all that would have needed is is a question mm. or or look, I think this will work. Do you trust me to do this? Obviously, this tr- it just doesn't really establish mm. a whole lot of trust on a film set if you're going to start mm. with that. Yeah. You know? Like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think this conversation is upsetting, Gru, because it we can is. hear his, his whine. But I, cause I, I kind of sit in a world where I'm like, okay, well, a film like this, you know you're naked all the time. Yeah. You're going to be showing boobs at one point. That's in your scenes. Mm. You're going to be very in close, very close proximity with each other with no clothes on. Mm. So you need a lot of trust. Yeah. That's why I ask if Bancroft had a response to that because if it, if they, if it was, you know, like six weeks into filming Mm. and they had a rapport and it was something that like, you know, that you could, you could do spontaneously because you trusted one another. I think I'd be okay with that. Yeah. But if it's two, three days into filming, you don't know what's going on with that other person. Obviously, that changes the circumstance. Yeah, I, I think the fact that obviously, it, um, I, I think it does reflect obviously the the time period that that this was being made. But I think it also reflects the fact that as um, as, as an institution, uh, American filmmaking has generally been pretty disrespectful to everyone involved, and particularly women. Um, and you know, and the fact that the, the fact that that behaviour and the it, it's tricky because Mike Nichols' response was to laugh. Now, like you say, had they been working together for six weeks and they had established, if Anne Bancroft had basically said, "Yeah, just if you want to touch my shoulder or whatever, do it," um, then you can understand that a, a laughing reaction would make sense because it is 
with with the character of Ben being so awkward and the fact that he just puts the hand on the boob. It's very non-sexual. It's yeah. ve- it's very. Well, that's the thing. I think that's, and yeah. I, I kind of have. Like, I take issue with it, but also I find it very hard to get super offended by it because I, mm. they, it's a, it's a very, as far as the woman's body goes and as far as respecting a woman's body and there's no real exploitation of Anne Bancroft's body in that film at all. Mm. Everything that's done is tasteful. Nothing is gratuitous. Even the bits of nudity that are there yeah. are done to enhance the film. So... Without knowing her side of it, I mm. don't really know what I can. If I'm that offended by it, I get what yeah. you're saying, but for me, I'm like, well, there has to be more context to that. Yeah, I can't you're, be you're out, right. I can't you're be right. outraged by that because it it isn't. It is a very good character choice. What's well, the thing? His reasoning I mean, for it is actually a fair. Mm. I think. Yeah, and it makes total sense, is, and it's, it's laughter because it's funny. It is a funny and moment. Silly and mm. and yeah. uh, and shocking. And if it's happened, it's a surprise. If Mike Nichols, I would have laughed if I was on set yeah. watching that. I can't. I, and I, I always get scared that I sound like I'm setting feminism in film back mm. twenty years when I talk about this stuff. But mm. from my own experiences. Not to this scale, obviously, mm. but things that I've had to go through and people that I'm on the set with, which is mm. usually a majority of men. Yeah. I I think that we have to give some credit to Bancroft and say, instead of saying, oh, that's outrageous, how dare she be exploited? I think that's derogatory to her as well. Yeah. Do you get what? Because it's like yeah, saying yeah, that she yeah. she can't stand up for her. She's been in the she's been in the acting game by this point for an incredibly long time. Yeah. She's very well respected. You can see that in how she's played the character and how she's been filmed. So for us to go, he's grabbed her tit. How dare he? She's being exploited. Yeah, I feel without like knowing the whole story. Exactly, yeah. it's kind of misogyny as well. True, but <laughs> it I, treats I, her like she's weak. But I think it's also a reflection of the times that we are currently talking in yes. you know where, where obviously you know a someone as part of a film where two characters have a sexual relationship and having someone grab the boob and that be an improvised moment is way down the list from some of the things that people like harvey weinstein and bill Cros- cosby have been exactly accused of. So, even dustin hoffman himself and yeah things that dustin hoffman's been accused of from later in his from career off camera and off camera yeah that's, that, that's the difference i think as well and yeah. there is a lot of examples of people being you know sexually exploited on camera yeah marlon brando for instance in last tango in paris yeah but this i don't think you i think this is way down the list because there is an obvious character Mm. choice in this and it's nothing i think my issue with it is is from the sounds of that that little piece of trivia it it's more the mindset that Hoffman and even Nichols are in that they can just do that hmm. and it's perfectly fine. Yeah. The impression, I, the impression I got from that, fine. but but the impression I got from, again, again, again we can't say because we don't know. The impression I got from that little bit of trivia is that Anne Bancroft didn't know it was going to happen and maybe it is totally okay, but from I, I, would, I feel uncomfortable that you, they don't. They didn't have that conversation first. There wasn't a conversation of when you take your top off. I think it'd be funny if I kind of mechanically grab your boob. But he might not have thought about it until that one moment. But Being, then, uh, but working then, as an improviser then, yeah, as well. But but they're not. But they're not improvising. They're making a film. 
but they would be improvising in there. There would be bits and there's always improvisation in those. There tapes. is, but I feel like that's where you kind of need to go. Again, I don't know. Again, we don't know we what don't, it was like. Exactly. We don't, yeah. know. we don't know if they shot all of those naked in bed scenes the day before. So they've been lying in a bed naked together. But even for so, for I still feel like mm. you, I, I just think, I, I, I get what you're saying. And mm. maybe, maybe we're wrong. Maybe that's, it was perfectly fine and they did talk about it beforehand. But I, no matter what the relationship is, the fact that he just did it, if that is indeed what happened, if he did just do it and it was funny because it was funny and it is funny, it's a good moment, it makes perfect sense, but I just don't see why you couldn't have gone, I had an idea. It, when, when, we did, when we did this take last, oh, I've just had an idea in between takes. Mm. A bit of, bit of restraint. I don't know. I, I just, it just feels strange to me. Yeah. It just feels strange that that, that just happened. Yeah. I, I, the, the more I talk about it now the more i think this particular one we're going too far with because of the Mm. context of dustin hoffman and the really shitty things he's done and that we allegedly we sort it we know we know he's allegedly done all Mm. these things that have been said now it that turns this into something i do actually think it it, it's belittles someone like anne bancroft to say this was against her will because Mm. it's something that she's been in the industry that long and she's in a film where she's playing an older woman who is sexually exploiting a mm. younger boy. Yeah. I actually think that that okay. could be seen as I think I realise what I'm woman. trying to say now. Okay. <laughs> and I, it's not, maybe Anne Bancroft was totally able to, maybe she was okay with it, or maybe she was totally able to handle it on her own. The issue I have with it is not with it, how Anne Bancroft felt. The issue I have with it is that Dustin Hoffman felt he could just do it in the first place. Mm. So he could have done it to anybody. And see, and I take issue with that because he's in character. So if he's on there in character, that mm. is what the character would do. Mm. So you're telling him to not think in character while he's on while he's. But just in that because moment. you're in character doesn't mean you can do whatever you want. Well, you, have you to can have some if control. you have that if you've established that already. Mm. Yeah, but they hadn't. Well, we, we don't know we that. Don't that know. doesn't say that. That doesn't yeah. have Anne Bancroft. IMDb doesn't t- say Anne Bancroft's side of the story. It doesn't say what Mike Nichols thought, why mm. he laughed. It doesn't say what was happening on the set. It doesn't say what was shot the day before. It doesn't say any of that stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm. Like it's, it, it, requires, anything, it, it requires more context. I, yeah, I it does. But we have to be really careful mm. about saying anything like that about those scenes with women, that these women have been exploited because it means that we're making an assumption that anytime there's something remotely sexual in a film or on sca- on stage or anything like that, and it's just been decided at that moment, that that is because a man has decided to belittle a woman. Mm. What it could mean is that they're both on a level playing field and they both understand that they could actually try things in a safe environment. Mm. Perhaps, yeah. That's how I feel when I'm on stage and I'm improvising with, with my mates because mm. they are, you know, a lot of these people are my mates. There's people that would never do it to me. There's people I would never do it to. Mm-hmm. But there's people on stage that I know that I can pash, mm. I can grab their balls if I need to. Mm. They can grab my breasts if I need Because you have to. that working relationship. We have that. And yeah. it, but we don't... It's improvised. So we yeah. never we never prearrange this stuff. Mm. It just happens. And that's a trust level that we have to kind of assume that we have with one another. Mm. So I... And I'm, I would hate... Because I'm quite a 
I guess, aggressive player sometimes when it comes to that mm. stuff because that's I think that's part of my humour that I can offer is being, you know, is being that sort of female character and bringing that to a scene. I find that very empowering as a female performer because we do get belittled quite mm. a bit. So mm. that's one way I can counteract that. Mm. But I have to be careful myself and make sure that I don't put those people in difficult situations when mm. I do it. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? Mm. I get what you mean, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Mm. Trivia point number two. <laughs> yeah, we should move on from that. <laughs> oh boy, we've got a few more points and not enough time. Um, no, but I, I think it is important, and this is a good place to have that discussion because I think our, our impressions of the graduate, just in general, are that it it deals with these things in quite a mature way. And yeah, yeah. You look at the work that Martin Nichols did throughout his career, and he was genuinely reputed as being like a really great guy to work with. Very. Um, uh, aware of what his actors wanted and, and his, a lot of them. his films are very sexual as well but yeah. they are intelligently sexual yeah. but my, 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 my feeling with, with Mike Nichols work is that he creates an environment within a set where you can do the sort of things that we saw in this film and it's done in a safe way I just yeah. think the it, 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 it's still something that has to be addressed in, in the larger context of the way Western cinema currently works. Yes. Definitely. Um, well, and yeah. I think we're going through a big change at the moment in how we think and how we approach these things. Yeah. And, and, and there is no there is no clean answer to it. So no. being able to talk talk to each other. I mean, you and I can do it, Tegan, because we've we're known We're boyfriend each- and girlfriend. Oh boyfriend and girlfriend. But also, like, you know, we've known each other. We can have these really mm. serious, deep, we can discussions that where we can be completely honest with each other yeah um so that gives us an advantage but, but it is important it's that important that this we, that, conversation we can happens. talk like this yeah because yeah, yeah. i f- i do feel like that's a big part of the problem is those guys that are now getting called out for their behavior hmm. their lines are so blurred as to what is acceptable and what's not when you hear louis ck talking about how he could justify his actions because he said he asked for consent and they gave it to him hmm. you know that's that's this blurry world that they're living in and yeah. we're actually telling them now you know they, they've mm. told themselves that it's okay because they've lived in this blurry world for so long but now they're actually being called out for it and yeah. they need to own the fact that they've they've done some really bad stuff yeah um so some of the other trivia points which uh, don't hit upon hot button issues uh, hopefully um <laughs> When Dustin Hoffman showed up at Joseph Levine's office for a casting interview, the producer mistook him for a window cleaner. <laughs> so Hoffman, in character, cleaned a window. Oh, that's awesome. That's a good one. And it, it, gotta it, clean the window. Yeah, it, gotta clean the window. My Dustin Hoffman impression is just, is just Rain, Rain Man. Rain Man. So. Yeah. Um, which, in fairness, is pretty much just Dustin Hoffman in a lot of things. Gotta, so much Rain gotta, Man gotta, in gotta this movie. Gotta clean the mm. Especially, oh, what was that scene? Um, oh, I've forgotten it now. But he went really Rain Man he at did. one point. Was mm. it in the pool? When they were trying to get him to go out with Elaine? No, I don't think it was. No, it was when he was having that big confrontation. They, He and Mr. Robson had just had sex and he was having that big confrontation with her about how he thought... Oh, she was an alcoholic. And yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they had that big fight. He got quite rain manny there because he was half-dressed yeah. and, you know, you don't think I, I'm not good enough for you, fit for your daughter. <laughs> That's when I'm pretty sure it was then. Anyway... So, you, so they thought he was a window cleaner. They thought he was a window cleaner. There's a lot of stuff about the fact that um, obviously this is the film that launched Dustin Hoffman's career. And it, it is a really um, good performance from him. Mm. Um, yeah, is, yeah. And the reason that Mike Nichols went for him is because he, just the way he was performing, you he genuinely believed that Dustin Hoffman was this, this awkward, like early 20s um, shy person. And I think that's really important to selling this film is that we believe 
um, the actors are who they are. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and, and all of them sell it really well. There isn't anyone that seems out of place in this film. Oh, not at all. No, there's absolutely no weak links when it comes to casting. Mm. It's it's just a really... Um, that lady on the bus nailed it. Loved yeah. her. She was great. The little bear lady. Little bear lady. Mm. Um, uh, little bear lady. <laughs> oh, except for... No. Ed- no, Ed- no, no. The mechanic. Oh, yeah. Can we get a better actor in here, please? <laughs> Wayne's World 2. Uh, yes. Um, Robert Redford screen tested um, for the part of Benjamin Braddock, but was rejected by Mike Nichols because Nichols did not believe Redford could persuasively project the underdog qualities necessary to the role. Yeah, that's fair enough. He, he, when in, Redford wouldn't accept this and he had to explain it. He said, let me put it this way. Have you ever struck out with a girl? And Redford said, what do you mean? And Nichols <laughs> went, that's precisely my point. <laughs> so and, and yeah, putting Robert Redford in this film, it could have been interesting, but he wouldn't have been able to display that vulnerability no, as no well way. as Dustin Not Hoffman. with the people around him as well. He wouldn't have fit into that world because I feel like they, invent, they created the world around Dustin Hoffman. Mm. Robert Redford would have fit in perfectly to that world in the sense that he would have thrived. Yeah, the douche, yeah he would have been the, yeah. one of the douchey guy. He would have thrived as a, as, a, as a job. Who asked to be saved a piece. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's another bit where it's kind of like, oh boy, that's that's yeah. that's inappropriate. Yeah, um, it also shows that she's marrying a horrible guy as well because well, he's known I, I as make, was he the make-out king or something. It's just locker room talk. Yeah. It's <laughs> all it is. Don't worry about it. That's just how guys talk. I'm the best makeout king. I'm the, be- I'm the makeout king. I'm the best. Now I'm going to go. I'm to- the most kingliest. And now I'm going to go to Jaina and talk to them about Jaina's. Jaina's. Jaina's in Jaina. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, <laughs> President Trump. Um, You're welcome, Stephen. Oh, don't don't talk to me like that. <laughs> you, what, what do you mean, Stephen? You creepy, creepy man. Um, so, uh, Dustin Hoffman was already set to play a role in Mel Brooks' The Producers, which was also being made around the same time, uh, when he had the opportunity to audition for The Graduate. Um, Hoffman asked Brooks' permission to audition for the part. Um, obviously, Mel Brooks was married to Anne Bancroft as well, um, who was already cast in the role. Uh, Brooks was familiar with the story, and he allowed Hoffman to audition, confident that he was unsuitable for the role of his wife's lover. So he went, <laughs> yeah, you can audition. We won't, you'll, you'll be free. Yeah, you won't yeah get grab her tit. <laughs> She loves she, this thing. She just... loves this. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he did it. There we go. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Um, when... He would have found that funny. Melbourne. Not the not the tit grabbing. Yeah. The, the the situation itself where he was cast to do his thing and oh, then he got totally. cast. Yeah, Mel, Mel Brooks would have found the humour in that. Mm. Um, when <clears> Elaine <throat> tracks down Ben in his gloomy room and she screams and all those other tenants turn up, um, one of the tenants is there saying, shall I get the cops? I'll get the cops. That's Richard Dreyfus. Amazing. Um, and he doesn't look like himself. No, he doesn't. It's really, really interesting. Right, really right. podgy. Yeah. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he, he, he did all right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was, yeah. It was just Mr. fun. Mr. Holland? Seeing him, seeing him in there. Dustin mm. Hoffman rehearsed the scene where he knocks on the glass wall of the church by pounding heavily, and it caused the entire thing to shake. At that point, the actual church's priest um, threatened to throw out the entire film company because he was worried about it getting broken. So a crew member suggested that Hoffman spread his arms wide and knock softly. Uh, this posture has led many to uh, believe that the moment was invoking a crucifixion um, rather oh, than being okay. uh, the yeah, fact yeah, that they yeah. were just trying to be careful. But yeah, when you look at it, it does look a little bit crucifixy. It does, it does yeah. Especially I'm, I'm pretty sure there's a crucifix in the background. It's sort of mirroring. Well, he uses the crucifix to 
shut the but door. even in that shot to crucifix the situation, I think there might be. Yeah, or maybe maybe I just thought there is because he's got his arms outstretched. I don't know. Mm. Um, Anne Bancroft uh, said that for many years after doing this movie, young men would tell her that she was the first woman they had sexual fantasies about. So yeah. that's something. So she's like, thank, thank, thanks, man. Mm. Well, no, I'd be uh, pretty proud of that if I'm sp- if I'm in my. 50s, 40s, 50s, Spotty 60s. 12 year old jacked it to you. That's fine. I'd be, I'm 50 and little boys are still jacking it to me. That's great. Like, not great, but like, it's but something. it'd make you feel good that, you, that you're hot at that age. Better than a kick in the teeth. Totally. Yeah. In the commentary for the 40th anniversary of the DVD, Dustin Hoffman reports that Bancroft had contracted not to do any topless scenes and was adamant when it came to the early confrontation between Mrs. Robinson and Ben in Elaine's room. So shooting stopped while someone went out to find a stripper on Sunset Strip who was willing to do the shots as a stand-in, but the first stripper who was brought along refused to remove her pasties. Um, So the production team had to find a second woman to do the shot. I feel like that's something you would cover. Yeah. Hey, you're a stripper? Yeah. yeah. Oh, great. Can we film your boob? Yeah. I'm not going to ask about any other coverings at this point. And indeed, the, the woman in question could have gone, only if I can keep my pasties on. Yeah. Mm. I feel like you were going, we need to film uh, a sort of collarbone to just above the navel shot of some naked breasts. Are you okay with that? But no. No, yes. just cover the nip. Mm. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. And it's weird. Uh, finally, uh, Catherine Ross, who played Elaine, uh, wears all her own clothing in the campus scenes because Nichols felt that whatever she came to the shoots in was perfect for the character, given that she was a young person in the 60s. Yeah, she, was a, she was pretty stylish. She was good. Stylish lady, yeah. I will um, just say, though, that's some very lazy costuming on that movie. Like, you know, even you noticed it, Patrick. That What's that supposed Mrs. to mean? Mrs. Robinson. Even you noticed well, it. Well, no, because Mrs. Robinson was wearing... The same skirt. She wear the same skirt in quite scenes. a few different yeah. scenes. Like, she wouldn't do that. No. She's not the. Kind I mean, of unless it's just different that. times in the laundry cycle, or it's a, a fair skirt. It's like this is a my skirt. Yeah, this is my this is my skirt for affairs. This is my <laughs> skirt for drinking, and <laughs> this is my skirt for loneliness. So, let's score the film, and we'll start with you, Patrick, as the first time viewer here. What would sure. you give uh, the graduate? Out of ten, I think it deserves a solid nine out of ten from me. Mm. Um, it's a really, really good movie. I can see why it's got its place mm. in, um, you know, as a bit of a cultural touchstone. Um, performances are excellent. We didn't really get much of a chance to touch chat because we got really deep into fixing the world's problems but we didn't really get a chance to talk about the the uh, cinematography mm. which was hugely hugely important to the yeah. film as well it was um, i mean i really liked in that party scene just to touch on that how claustrophobic it was the camera yeah, stayed so yeah. close on uh, ben and you didn't even really get to see the faces of a lot of the people he was talking no, to it was, and even right from the yeah. start where mum just walks in front of the camera and you're like what the he- just before you start going, what the hell is this scene? Mm. He kind of slips out from behind her and it's all... Like, that must have taken ages to work mm, out. Yeah. But, and the, and the, and the 
appearing in the scuba suit. We, you know, we see his ears, we can only hear him breathing. We see through his point of view. Mm. And it's all, again, it feels very claustrophobic and very Mm. closed in. But then we cut to him, cut to sort of not in third person. We see him at the bottom of the pool in his scuba suit all alone. So we go from being super claustrophobic Mm. to being completely open Mm. and alone at the bottom of this swimming pool and that water imagery is something that comes across a lot i mean that first shot of him in his bedroom he's got his head up against the fish tank and he is sitting below the water line it's he's he's, i didn't didn't think that's what just now he's underwater he's like his whole life and his emotions and his everything is underwater yeah yeah Yeah. It's 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 a, drowning. It is a lovely, yeah. lovely, well shot film. And this and and the odd tilt of the camera here and there, you know, the odd ang- the sort of strange angles here mm. and there. Yeah. So yeah, we didn't get to talk about that too much, but, but they that just don't adds detract to it. From... No, not at all. And I think we, you and I t- were t- touching on it just after, mm. um, in how it keeps that very theatrical feel. Yeah. It, it 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 gave me the same um, feelings I get watching a good piece of theatre watching this movie it, again it's not just like someone's set up a camera and filmed a, a play but yeah. he's gone and he's used the camera in such a way to evoke the same feelings as watching theater absolutely um, which is super clever but he doesn't i mean he's got all these unique camera angles but they're not wanky and then no not, not at all too no, no, many no, no, of no. them like, i think that's what i mean I, I, yeah when yeah. i when i give it a nine uh, performances and all that stuff it's it's but it's also a really just a really well constructed movie. Like the whole, that whole Nothing reveal. is yeah. there. Oh yeah, at the, when she's standing at the end of the hallway after it, he tells. Even the start. So oh. when it goes on a lane and a lane turns around, she's out of focus, and then it slowly she comes into focus, and you just see that she's welling up. It, yeah. It, it focuses it, it, as she wells up. It's and then, as that realization is hitting. Yes. It's really incredible. I, I and all those shots, I think. To, to say that they're not wanky, I think the reason that they don't appear wanky is because they are they're beautiful. telling the story. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're yeah. being used to tell the narrative. Everything, everything in the movie is justified. It really, yeah. you know, you talk about. Um, we were talking before about how you gave the thing mm. a perfect score because there's yeah. really no way to improve this movie. Yeah, I don't feel compl- there's a few things that I think would could could make this movie better, but generally, mm. it doesn't need to be touched. No, yeah. I think it's a really fantastic movie in its own right which is why i'm giving it a nine okay uh tegan what score would you give it uh i feel the same um i going on from that you know that that fade in and out that that scene Mm. where she's just she says goodbye benjamin and she's Mm. just standing in the hallway devastating and everything's just off center slightly or tilted yeah it's um it's such a beautiful film. It has influenced so many. Well, he has influenced so many directors, I think, yeah. in especially a film like that. There's Wes Anderson in that film mm. everywhere. Um, even, you know, even in some of the setup of some of the asymmetry or symmetry of mm. some of those scenes. Yeah. Um, it uses all of like, it's a very 60s looking film. Yeah. But it uses it all beautifully. Um it's so much, and it's fun. Mm. I had so much fun. The only thing that got me was that weird kiss. Yeah. Because that actually took me out of it for a moment, and I went, yeah. oh, I'm not with you. I've been with you in this film. Until that point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as, a, you know, as a film lover, as a Mike Nichols fan, as a, as a, even as a woman, like mm. watching it from a female perspective, I'm with you. Um, 
until that one moment mm. and then they won me back like and then when they're eating burgers in a car i was yeah. like yes yeah. i want a burger yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> but you know like and so that so that um that was the only bit mm. i think so i'm gonna say i'm gonna give it Nine and a half scuba dustins out of ten. Nicely done. Um, I really enjoyed this film. It's a very well made film. Um, I like how it's it's a relatively simple concept for a story, but there are so many different layers to it. Which even just in this discussion, we sort of revealed uh, looking at all the different um, machinations and, and the, the generation gap, the way that's uh, portrayed, I think is fascinating. Um, it's incredibly well shot. Um, I, I do feel as though it was maybe a little montage heavy in some parts. I love um, the montages. The montages yeah. are yeah. good. Do you know why I love them? Why? Sorry, going on from what you're saying yeah. about, um, about the storyline, mm. because this, and I think you said it before as well, the storyline is almost irrelevant and it becomes about the people. It's there because something big happens where he's, you know, stooping both the mum and the daughter and, you know, wants to strip the daughter. Yeah. But it's not really about that. It's about em- that emptiness. That if, I, I feel like that's a, that's a mechanic that's mm. used to invoke emotion and evoke um, confusion and... Yeah and and, mm. and um, manhood and mm. what it is to be a man and what it is at that time in the 60s to be in two countercultures you know like yeah. that it's um it's really amazing to see a film do that because every time we get to a plot twist they do it in about 2 seconds yeah 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 they they really like here's the plot here's the twist yeah um, i forgot we like to assign little like funny things to our score so while oh, you yes. mentioned that i'm just gonna give it i'm gonna go back and give mine uh nine simon and garfunkel song montages out of ten oh, yes perfect uh but it was a little heavy for me in that respect and um, but but i did like how they were used they were at the very least interesting montages and um, it's it's a really enjoyable film i would watch it again um i am gonna give it eight Hello, Mr. Gladstones, <laughs> out of 10. Good to see you again. Yeah. Um, so that that is it for our review of The Graduate. Um, Tegan and Patrick, thank you very much for watching this with me. No, thank you. you. Uh, most welcome, Steve. Thank you. No, oh, thanks, guys. And I'm just so re- glad we watched this film. Yeah. This is a good one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just a reminder for uh, those of you at home, uh, for more information, we can be found on Facebook. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club uh, on your Facebook search bar thingy uh we can also be found at uh the website uh thoughtjarproductions.com and of course if you want to subscribe to this go to itunes or soundcloud or your local podcast service and hit that subscribe button and hey why don't you share it with a friend you know christmas is coming get them a completely free present <laughs> of a good podcast i was gonna like. say i'm glad you started saying wherever you get your podcast from because you can you can get this i think on all kinds of podcasts. So indeed yes. i get I, I listen to i use pocket casts for mm-hmm. my uh podcasting needs yeah and the Cinema Catch-Up Club is indeed on Pocket Cast. There so I think go. you can pretty much get, get this anywhere. Pretty much anywhere. So yeah, to all, <laughs> to all of our uh, specifically Pocket Cast listeners, hi. Nice, <laughs> nice, nice, nice to be with you. Um, all one of you. <laughs> it's a really good app, guys. I mm. would recommend you check it out. Um, <laughs> but yes. Pocket Cast, if you want to send me some money. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> mm. uh, but that is all for this week. So uh, until next time, goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say I thought bye. we were going to do You looked at me like we, were, we had to do something funny. And it's like, what are we gonna do? I haven't got anything. I don't know what to do. Bye.
You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. We didn't talk about our recasting of The Graduate with Miss Piggy. Okay, Ms. you know what? Let's, let's tack that on <laughs> at the end. This can be a, a bonus uh, extra bit. Um, if we're going to recast The Graduate with the Muppets, as we discussed during the film, <laughs> uh, obviously with Miss Piggy as uh, Mrs. Robinson. Robinson. Mrs. Mrs. Pig- Porkinson. Yeah, Mrs. Porkinson. <laughs> Mrs. Hogginson. <laughs> Hogginson, yes. Yeah. Um, so, who, who is playing uh, Ben? Who's Robin what? the Frog. Robin the Frog? Yeah. Okay. Is that Kermit's nephew? Yeah. Right. So would Kermit be the father figure then? Would he be Mr. Braddock? No, I like, um, no, he could, no, he could be um, uh, Mr. Robinson. Yeah, that works. Because he needs to be a bit smarter. Fozzie needs to be Mr. Braddock. Ah! Son, you can take a few weeks off, but... (laughs) You got to learn to scuba, waka waka. Okay, um... (laughs) Uh, who would be uh, um, Elaine? Who would be Janice? Oh yeah, yeah, I could see that because she's the only other female Muppet. <laughs> like no, she's like you know, um, no, because you've got um, oh, you've got the that other pig. You've got um, yeah, um, the uh, one that um, K- Miss Piggy thinks Kermit's gonna have an affair with. Yeah, um, could do her. Mm. Um. Okay, we already said Sam the Eagle would have Sam to be the Sam Eagle bus is driver. the bus driver at the end. That was my contribution. Yeah. 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 Um, where would... Uh, oh, oh, the, the hotelier, the main hotel clerk. Would that be Gonzo? Yes, that would be... Uh, no, because it needs to be someone a bit more aware. Maybe that's... Um, uh, maybe it's just Gramps. Because Gramps is... Yeah. It has to be Gramps. Scooter. Maybe it's Scooter. Oh, it could be Scooter. Yeah, Scooter's good. No, Scooter might be the waiter with the... Fun- Only because Gramps... Classically, is always at the hotels. Yeah, because he's true. at the Happiness Hotel and he's at the um, hmm. the other ones in the the Muppet movie as well. Can I insist that Animal is one of the hoteliers that walks yes. past and, and goes, ah, ah, Gladstone? And Peppy ah. the Prawn is the Peppy the Prawn yeah. is the little. Oh, I thought you. Could, I thought Rizzo could be the little. Oh, that would be good. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Mr. Gladstone. They all have to be in there. You're here again. You're yeah. always here with that lady. It looks like the older version of this lady. <laughs> Where would Statler and Waldorf be? I was trying to think of They'd that. be in the party at the start. They'd or be they'd the... be in that bit where he's holding the glass door open and all those old people yes, come out. Yes, yeah. that's <laughs> them. That, be, and and all the nanas from the, you know, they've got all those old nanas. Yeah. No, no, opening the door, it would be the chickens. It would just yes, be the yes. chickens. Oh, that's perfect. Yes. And that's where yeah. Gonzo, and Gonzo is. He's yeah. leading them out. They're getting though. married. They're yeah. coming through. Yes, that's perfect. Yeah. I think Statler and Waldorf would be banging on the glass up the top. <laughs> going. They'd, just be standing, they'd just be standing behind Robin as he... They'd be, or they'd yeah. be at the wedding doing yeah. What? Or, you know what? Instead mm. of doing that, Crazy Harry just comes in with his dynamite and yeah. explodes the glass and mm. <laughs> it just falls through. And would the soundtrack be performed by um, Swedish Chef instead of... No, Simon Dr. Garfunkel? Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. Oh, of course. I'm just trying to think where Swedish Chef would be. I'm just imagining... Make the cocktail, make the martini for the lady. We're it's early hard because too early. there aren't that many characters in this movie. No, <laughs> so, but you could find places for them. They'd just be in the background, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that'd be fun. Or would you do it where they, they do in a lot of Muppet films where you still have Dustin Hoffman as like the one human? Yes. Yeah, because I don't know if Robin the, Robin the Frog yeah. age-wise fits. Yeah, yeah. I think, not, I, um, I think Dustin Hoffman with Miss Piggy there going, Mrs. Hogginson, I think you're trying to seduce me. What? Seduce vous? 
better stay away from my daughter or I will end you. <laughs> Hi-ya! <laughs> Get your hands off her, turkey! <laughs> uh, uh, Thank okay. you. Uh, well, good night. <laughs>